Amen. Wow. How can you not be excited? How can you not be ready when you sit in the presence of an almighty God and He allows us to worship Him? He allows us to sing His praise, the God of revival. The darkest night, He'll light it up. The darkest corners, the darkest places, He lights it up. He brings light to a dark, dark world. I said earlier this morning, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know your situation. I don't know uh, what you're facing at home, at work. School's out, so I know school is not an issue right now. At least it shouldn't be for most of you. But life happens, and and, uh, this morning I I pray that you are able to just listen to uh, the words, not that I speak, but the words that the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts this morning. Because I want you to hear from Him today. I don't want you to hear from me. I want you to hear from the Lord this morning as he, as he speaks a message that I think is so relevant, is so necessary for us to hear. And, and not just a time as this, but every day, all the time. Because all those slippery slopes are out there everywhere. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be. And it doesn't take much. It's not, it's not a big gap between between those two places. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I just want to pray specifically for you this morning. Those of you that are here, those of you that are watching and listening far away, let me pray that God would just come and speak to our our hearts and speak to us this morning. Father God, as we sit here in your presence, oh God of revival, oh God of a revival, Lord, the darkest places you light it up, you can light it up. And Lord, I pray this morning for each person in this room, Lord, I pray that you would bring revival in our, each one of our hearts and in our minds. God, start in me, start in each one of us that are sitting here today. Lord, let us hear from you this morning. God, I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what their situation is, but God, they're here. And Lord, I pray that they would listen. God, not to me, but your spirit. God, we invite your spirit, Lord. Tune out all the things that separate. Tune out all the distractions, Lord, for the next few moments. God, it's just a, it's just a glimpse. It's just a, a quick little moment that we'll be sitting here. And then we'll be off back out into our day. But for the next little bit, let us just listen. Holy Spirit of God, speak to us. God, we want to hear from you this morning. Please. Please, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to Acts chapter 6. We've been working for a little bit through uh, the book of Acts, we hit it, we come and we go, bounce in and out of it on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I do want to plug Wednesday nights again. If you're not coming, please come. We're going to use the summers to do some fun things, but uh, Wednesday nights or Wednesday nights actually looks just like this. I mean, honestly, this is what Wednesday night looks like on uh, in here. But y'all come. We, we've looked at the early church. The church is growing. We know the day of Pentecost has come. Holy Spirit has come. And... Uh, the high priest and all of those people who put Jesus to death there on the cross, they are not liking the disciples' message. They are not liking it one bit. And they have, they have told them it was disturbing at first. They've told them to quit talking about it. They've even beat them. And as you end chapter 5 and head off into chapter 6, you find the apostles have just been flogged and they're going back worshiping God and praising God that they were counted worthy to be persecuted for His name. And in chapter 6, we get to a transition. And I want you to see on the screen a brink of disaster. I was thinking earlier this morning, what do I name it? What do I talk about? What, what do we title all of this? That I know my, my brain's thinking is the brink of disaster, the brink of destruction, the brink of chaos. 
You know, the early church, it had a rough start. It had a, it had a rocky start, to say the least. Attacks from without. They had the Ananias and Sapphira situation over there to where literally Ananias and Sapphira lied to God and they had to be dealt with. And, and there was a lot going on. But when you get to chapter 6, you almost come to a crossroads because the church, the early infant church was on the brink of disaster. Literal disaster. If what happens here didn't happen exactly the way Scripture reads out, if they just think, they could have gone two different ways. They could have splintered off and chased all these different directions, and they could have, they could have just allowed the enemy to slip in and divide them into so many different directions. Look at, look at chapter 6. Look at how it starts. We're only going to read a verse or two here. Now at... This time, while disciples were increasing, while the disciples were increasing in number, and notice the context here, good is happening. It's not like they're in a valley. It's not like they're struggling. God is blessing the church. God is doing amazing things. Actually, go all the way back up one verse and look at verse 42 of chapter 5. The Bible says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I mean, God is working. Revival is happening. The Spirit of God is moving. People are being saved. God is adding to the church. Day in and day out, God is adding to His church. The apostles are growing. The numbers are growing. But notice what Scripture says. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose. Guys, that's how it starts. Put the sign, put the hurricane back up. I, I, I'm from the south. I mean, y'all had a massive tornado back in the day, back, what, 10 years ago or whatever. It was enormous, ginormous. It was horrible. They tell me that it rearranged the whole city of Tuscaloosa. Many people lost their lives. Tornadoes and hurricanes are totally different. A tornado, go to bed, boom, your world blows away. The next morning the sun comes up and you just see sticks and houses and it's, it's, it's horrible. But a hurricane is a different bird altogether because you watch a hurricane, weeks even. I mean, you can catch a baby hurricane out there as just a little bitty moving out in the Atlantic. You'll just see some, some puffs of white or whatever on the screen, at least on the map that they show. And we track that hurricane. It starts out as just maybe a disturbance, and then it's a tropical storm, and then they'll start putting numbers on it. You know what I'm talking about? And you watch it for days, and you watch it for weeks, and you're waiting on Opal to hit, or you're waiting on Ivan to hit, or you're waiting on Katrina to hit. We're just waiting and waiting, and you know the night or two or three before, it's down there in the Gulf, and it's growing and getting bigger and bigger, and you're just waiting on landfall. That's how a hurricane works. It starts as a disturbance out in the Atlantic, and it grows. That's what's happening right here in the Bible. That's what's happening right here in the early church. A disturbance, a complaint arises. And, and notice, here, here's the deal, church. We know uh, 
Tornadoes are bad. I give you Tuscaloosa, Northport. Tornadoes are bad. But tornadoes really are only so wide. All right, they're only so wide, and sometimes they bounce up and down. A hurricane is miles and miles, 20, 30, 40 miles wide, and they will wipe out for miles and miles and miles deep. If any of you have ever gone down to the coast after a hurricane, you ride around, and all you see is slabs. All you see all up and down the coast is just slabs, and you say, I wonder what was there, a house? I wonder what was there, a business? I wonder what was there, a thriving community? A thriving town used to exist, and all you see is, for miles, literally, is broke over trees, torn down pine trees, and slabs. And it all started with a little disturbance out in the Atlantic. The early church. A complaint arose. Look at, look at how silly and insignificant it seems. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing, notice the context. We're not talking a valley. We're talking, we're on top of the mountain. Good things are happening. People are visiting. People are joining. Leaders are being added. Members are being added. God is at work and a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So what does that mean? Well, inside the church you had two different groups. You had the Hellenistic Jews, they're Christians. You had the native Hebrew Jews, they're Christians. Two different ones they argue, you can read about why they argue, you can look at the two different kind. One stayed really close in Jerusalem, they loved Jesus, they stayed more old school. The new ones, they kind of wore some of the cool clothes, they went off into the, into the Gentile world and, and looked at what all was going on. They started taking on their language, taking on their clothing, taking on their food, and they were sort of viewed as the outsiders. So you had these two different groups inside the church. But what's so interesting is they're not fussing over the clothes. They're not fussing over the language. They're not fussing over the way they worship. No, they're fussing over, hey, the disturbance started. The hurricane started over. You got more food on your plate than I got. You got to... You got a big old fat juicy chicken breast and I'm sitting over here with this old dark meat leg. I'm walking through the... Think about it. It's silly, guys. You, you're walking through the, 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 the line there and they're slopping down food and you look at that one in front of you and, oh man, she got a whole helping of chicken and dumplings and I just got one little half spatula. No, she didn't. And you walk all the way back grumbling. I can't believe... Look at there. Look at all that dressing. She got all that dressing. Look, I don't even have, I got green beans. I don't like green beans. And all the way. That's what it was. One was getting more food than the other. One was being taken care of. One was getting maybe favoritism. And you know where it started? It started in the mind of some little old lady. Some little old lady somewhere, I mean, this is the context of literally what's happened. Some little old lady done walked back to her dorm room or walked back to her house or got back in, I don't know, but went back home and said, 
Could have been like this. Honey, what was... No, it couldn't have been honey because she was a widow. <laughs> she went back to her sister group. How was lunch? It was fine. You don't seem so happy. No, it's fine. Well, what's wrong? I don't talk about it. We laugh. But that's how the disturbance starts. It's silly. Honey, tell me what's going on. Oh, well, I'm down there, and you, you won't believe what's happening. You won't believe how they're treating us. You won't believe how they're doing that group, and I'm not getting it. Guys, I could sit here for the next 21 minutes and make examples of how it starts. I could sit here for the next 21 minutes and talk about how Foolish, foolishly, we are enticed down a path that utterly leads to destruction if we're not careful. It's a disaster. Because somebody, we walked into church and the preacher talked to me and he didn't talk to you. We're down there and he's singing all this God of revival and everybody's... Because of something somebody done said in the past. Everybody else would be, oh God of revival. And instead of worshiping God, you're sitting there like, I can't believe she'd raise her hand. True story. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about church. Listen to me. We're not talking about folks inside the church and folks who are lost outside the church. No, we're talking about the Hellenistic Jews and the Native Hebrew Jews, they're both part of the family. They're both part of the body of Christ. They sat in the room together. They had the same worship leader, the same pastor. It all was together, and yet they were divided over who was getting more food at lunch. And it all started from a silly little disturbance out in the Atlantic. How many of us, how many of us, listen to me church, how many of us in this room right now, relationships are utterly destroyed now because of some something happened way back when. It started out as something and you just start thinking about it and you start dwelling on it and, the, and the, go with me, go with me. Where does it all come from? I want you to see where the, where the problem is. Go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 5. I think y'all were in this in Sunday school. So y'all should know all about what I'm about to talk about. 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to see something. And this, I, I, this is freeing for you. This is freeing for every single one of us if we'll pay attention to what we're about to say. If you want to take a nugget home, there's a lot of you in this room right now on the brink of disaster. There's a lot of you right now in, in this room that's, that's okay, thank you. You're beyond a, a little disturbance. You're beyond a, a tropical storm. You're up in one, two, three. Some of you are category fives in your relationships with other believers over utter nonsense. Over things that should not be even a conversation. But we've allowed it to escalate to the point that the enemy has driven a wedge. And you know what he does? He drives wedges right down the middle of churches all the time. And he pits this group against this group. 
And he pits this class against this class and this deacon against this deacon and this, this ministry group against this ministry group. And they start arguing and they start fussing and they start all these things. And, and what seems like something simple turns into one of those and it'll destroy you. It will destroy you. And I think he's done a really good job. And I say, who, who, go. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert, your adversary. Who? Your adversary, who? Who's your adversary? What, what does the Bible say your adversary? Who does the Bible say your adversary is? The devil. Guys, the enemy is not a person. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You never, ever, ever. I'm going to give you something that will free you if you'll listen. Your problem ain't person. Your problem is not a person. It's not people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If you've got an issue and your issue is with a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or a youth or a college student, you are totally chasing and fighting something that don't even make sense. The enemy has got us turned just like he did in the early church. A complaint arose. An issue, a disturbance. It started out little. And we know the rest of the story. You probably read on. Here at the church, we're going we're gonna to have deacon election here in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to be in this passage for a week or so. And we're going to be fleshing out a deacon and what a deacon is and all of that. And, and even though they don't mention deacons there in Acts chapter 6, the concept, the idea is sort of birthed out of that place. But the point is, they made a good decision. But how many of us even sitting in churches today, churches are full of people who've made really bad decisions in the past. And there's no relationship now. They don't even speak to them now. They can't stand them now. They walk in one door. They don't, if they are in the room, they ride by the parking lot. If their car is out there, I ain't stopping there. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Are, they, are there people you just can't stand? I won't even make you raise your hand. Why? Do you know those people you can't stand are going to die? And they're either going to heaven or hell. If they're lost, their, their souls are going to hell. And if they're heaven, they're going to be around you. And all the other Christians for all of eternity praising God. And we hate them on earth because, because of what? She wore a pink dress at Easter. And you wore a pink dress at Easter. And you walked in and everybody said, I love your pink dress. And nobody mentioned your pink dress. That's, that's foolish, isn't it? Or, or, or nobody said how good my cake was. Everybody's just, oh, they are going crazy about sister's cake. My things make a better cake. I mean, we fuss about, you get that, some of you got that. We fuss about the silliest things. But who is the enemy? The enemy's the devil. Your, your enemy, your enemy, your adversary, the devil like a roaring lion, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
And guys, we can sit in here and we know it's true. We can sit in here. I'll say this now. I'll say this 14 minutes sooner than I would have said it. We'll sit in a room just like this as nothing more than slabs. Because the hurricane, honestly, the hurricane has done come through and utterly wiped us out. Because of, because of our, because we've listened to the enemy, we've allowed the, the great deceiver, we've allowed the one who wants to do nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy, we've allowed him to slip in, and we've allowed him to drive a wedge between, let me say this, best friends. I can't tell you the number of people I've heard say this. Yeah, we raised our kids in church. We went through, we went through children with them, and we went through, we went on youth trips with them. We got all of our youth out there right now at a camp, and we used to chaperone together, and we went on vacation together, and we did all this together. And what's what's going on now? Why aren't y'all together? Oh, things happened. You're going to be, you're, going, you're a Christian, right? Yes. They're a Christian, right? Yes. Y'all going to be around the throne in heaven forever and ever worshiping your Savior together, right? Yes. But what happened? Oh, it's complicated. It started out as a disturbance. It started out as a complaint. It started out so simple, but the enemy convinces us in rooms like this all over the world on a Sunday morning today that your problem is sitting right over there. And if he or she would change or leave, if he or she would just... Isn't it amazing how isn't it amazing how if he or she would just? What about us? What about us? Rick left this morning. He does this every Sunday. He said there was a lot of people in that room that needed to hear that. And we know he's joking. But there's a lot of people will leave this morning, even this room right here, and say, I hope he or she was listening. Why can't it ever be us? Why what, if, what if we said, all right, Lord, you got me there. The devil, the enemy, the enemy, go over, go over the... He's devoured me. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But look at verse 9. Look at the first couple of words. But resist him. But resist him. Listen, let me tell you right now. On, on top of an exciting time, God may be doing an amazing work in your life. You may be studying God's Word. You may be hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You may be, may be memorizing Scripture and, and going after God with everything you got. That's where the church was. And a complaint arose. And the issue starts. And the author of confusion comes in and all he wants is, is just one little toehold. 
Lord God, what if we, what if we honestly said, Lord, I haven't resisted him. God, I've allowed him, to, I've allowed him to bulldoze me. I've allowed him to just run completely over me. Look at verse 9. Let's read all of verse 9. Because here's the deal. The devil does a great job of dividing and conquering. You're the only one going through this. Nobody else is dealing with what you're dealing with. Nobody else is struggling like you're struggling. Nobody else has what you have. Well, verse 9 says that's not true, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. There's not one of us in this room that's not subject to an attack. And Scripture says resist him. Go over to the James passage. Look at James. The Bible is really clear, and it, and it really stays on point here. But resist him. Verse 7, James chapter 4, verse 7 Submit, therefore, to God and do what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him. Where do we resist Satan? Anybody seen him lately? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. Been preaching a long time. Pretty educated guy. Pretty good at talking. I ain't seen Satan. But I've had some messed up thoughts. I've had some messed up thoughts about people. I've had, some, I've had some people come and, and say some things and I get word of stuff. And, and at that moment, a choice has to be made. And it happens right here. What are you going to do with that? The Bible tells us to take every thought captive. The Bible says to filter our thoughts through Christ. Resist him. You're laying there and you hear something and you feel something and, and, and this it starts swelling up and what happens is we allow it's like a seed. I picture it like a seed. And when we let that seed of, of jealousy and bitterness and anger, when we let it in, when we don't resist it, you're not coming in me. I Listen, I, I'm not letting you get me down. I'm not letting you. Listen, I know you're the enemy, Satan. You're the enemy. She's not the enemy. He's not the enemy. They're not my problem. That group's not my problem. That church is not my problem. That music, that style, that pastor, the way he does. None of that's my enemy. You're the enemy. You ain't even getting in. And then just worship God. But when we allow him in, and we allow that, that seed to get planted. That seed grows, and over time, it's just like that hurricane. It sits out there, and it starts out as a little disturbance, and then it's given a name, and then it starts getting numbers, and then it starts growing big and massive like that. And it's just it's overwhelming, and if we're not careful, it comes over us, and it utterly destroys us and everything around us. And here we sit. In a church, years and years and possibly years later is nothing more than slabs on the beach. Used to be amazing, joyful. Here I am, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll serve you, I'll run for you, I'm going to serve you all my life. And then the attacks started coming and the war happens and, the, and, and all of this happens and we just get beat down and we fall for it. Y'all know who needs to hear this? Me. And you.
resisting. Over in James, it uses the same word, resisting. James 4, 7, it says, Submit therefore to God and resist the devil. Don't let it in. Don't entertain that thought. She's got, she's got more than me. Don't entertain that silly lie. They're talking to her. They're showing favoritism. They're getting a better hand. They're loved more. Don't entertain that thought. I'm having to work hard. They're sitting around and I'm doing it all. Don't entertain that thought. Don't let that junk in. Because all it's going to do is drive a wedge. It's not going to drive a wedge against you and the devil because the devil, you can't see him. Stand up. Come here. I have prayed more at Chapel Hill for one thing than I prayed for anything else since I've been here. And it is for there to be unity in the staff. Ken, come here. Come here. Unity in the staff. Come stand here. I have prayed for more than one thing. This is what I pray for all the time. Unity in the staff. Because you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to drive a wedge between this. Wendy, come here. Stay here, guys. Jennifer, come here. Come right here. Adeline, come here. Adeline's like, what in the world's going on? Ken. I hope y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> Satan wants to blow this thing up. And you know how it works? He don't attack us with lion bears and tigers. He attacks us through thoughts and through ideas and through silly things. Guys, let me say this. I've known him for how long? Eight months? Eight months? I've long known you a long time, man. Eight months? Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, if you could pull everybody back up together next to you in your past that you've had, that this morning's sermon's point wasn't effective in doing this right here. How many, how many relationships? Honestly, be honest. How many relationships have we seen blown up? How many people did we have? How many people did we have back in our day, like five years ago and ten years ago? I mean, we were buddies and all buddies and all buddies, and something just happened. The, the enemy is the devil. It'll never be him. It'll never be her. It'll never be person it'll never be a person it's the enemy is the devil your adversary the devil prowls around and he's wanting to drive a wedge between everything confession is lord i'm I'm sorry. There's some of us holding grudges. We've been holding them a long time. There's some of us blaming brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and mamas and daddies. There's some of us blaming, we're blaming in-laws. We're blaming, we're blaming. 
she took, she took mama's ring when she died, or she took a little bit of this, or she took a little bit of that, or I should have got this, or I should have got that. On my mama's deathbed, she said X. She and he ain't the problem. The devil is. Guys, he still... A complaint arose over who got more food, over how somebody was being taken care of a little better than the next. Satan took Jesus up on the mountain and said, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all of this, the whole world. If Satan would take up God and be crazy enough to go at him who in the world are we to think for one moment that we're immune to this conversation let him who think he stand take heed lest he fall your enemy is the devil Father God I look out over this room and I pray, God, for every person that's in here right now. Lord, I don't know what they're dealing with. Lord, I don't know who in here is, can say, you know, I'm a slab. But you know, there's some of us in here that I ain't even talked about it. First part of the whole message, first part of the title says it's on the brink of disaster. On the brink of destruction. On the brink of. God there may be some of us. Just sitting there. Toying with the idea. Entertaining. Entertaining the evil one. Entertaining these thoughts. That. Don't honor you. They drive wedges. Father God forgive us. Help us Lord to resist. And the evil day, having done everything to stand, help us to resist the schemes. Help us to resist. We rebuke you, Satan. We rebuke you in Jesus' name, God. I, I pray your spirit be so strong and heavy over your church. And Lord, I pray that you would convict and show, Lord, is any of us on the brink? Is any of us entertaining? Are any of us totally been devastated? God, forgive us and help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Satan's the enemy, not man. Lord, help us to love and to see how you love and see. And God, we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.